On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. Welcome everybody to another Second Shot Sit-Down. I'm Jenny Anchondo and I'm really excited about today's guest because we are talking money with Vince Shorb. He actually founded the National Financial Educators Council after his own personal struggles with finances. So he's here to talk about his own major second shots with money, and I, I love that he's open to being honest about this. Also, we're gonna talk about how we can start teaching our kids about money and how we can turn our own financial situations around. Okay, Vince, that's big promises. <laughs> it is, but thank you for having me. Yeah, so good to see you. So so let's go back to that financial story. You know, what's, what's Vince's financial story? Yeah, I actually started out on great financial footing. Very yeah. young, I was always starting businesses from selling lizards to selling baseball cards. Oh my gosh, I love it. And graduating to more extensive businesses. I started investing in real estate at a young age as well. And throughout high school, you can find me in the back of the class reading personal finance and, and investing books. How'd you get into that? Was it your parents or a mentor? My or? grandfather and dad were always interested. So it really, uh, I picked up those positive habits uh -huh. from them and uh, I was doing well. And the thing I loved most about it during that time was people were asking me about money. I loved talking to them. So my friends, and then it turned out my family, my parents' friends, so they were all asking me. This is me. like high school? This is High school, grade? early college, early college. yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So things were well, and then I made a few mistakes. And- uh, Don't we all? Yeah, and <laughs> typical, you know, college got into debt, yeah. messed up on a few credit cards. I did something really dumb, which was investing with money I pulled out of my credit cards, so I don't advise, and it got me into trouble, right? And those years were struggles for me. I can imagine, I remember in college, and it was like, we, I you know, come from very humble beginnings, and I remember when you got to the college campus, there were all of these credit card companies set up. I don't know if any of you guys experienced that. Definitely. Are they still allowed to do that? They are not, but they're finding other ways into colleges, and uh, I had plenty of free shirts and free pizzas to prove it's it. So tr it's so <laughs> true, I'm looking back, and I remember even as a college student thinking, I don't know if this is a good idea, but they're like giving us all this money, and I don't know if any of us have the means to pay it back uh, with a journalism degree or whatever you know, whatever it is that True. we were studying. Okay, so that happened. And, and at that point in time, was your, like your dad or your grandfather, it sounds like they were kind of the influences. Definitely. Were they saying, hey Vince, man, don't do this. Or were you kind of like, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing this on my own and not really asking for their advice at that point. Uh, really, they thought everything was fine. I keep everything internal. They didn't know, so I just had to tough through it, work harder, um, and just dug myself out of it, which took many years. Mm -hmm. And then I found a passion for financial services because I wanted to help people avoid the issues that I got into. Yes, understandable. We've got a, a little like screen thing going on behind you, but I'm just gonna keep going and just keep talking because uh, I'm loving this conversation. So. You had that happen, and then what happened to your confidence? Because you had kind of been known as like yeah. the money guy. Yeah, yeah, it was a real blow to confidence. And that's what I found out during that time. It wasn't just my pocketbook or the bank account. It was emotional state, well-being, ability to sleep at night, mm -hmm. what I was able to eat. So it impacted many areas of my life, uh, more than just money. 
And uh, from that, I felt, you know, that was really my second shot start is yeah. when I found out, hey, this is impacting me in a way and I want to help other people avoid that. And what happened to your credit score? Were oh, you paying attention it, to it at that time? Not at all. I didn't care. You know, I, I would just like get me money so I can have food, a secure place to stay. I wasn't going to have to worry about driving with my car breaking down. I just wanted the basics at that point. Okay, so it was really bad. It, yeah. it was really bad. I yeah. just think it's important to give a perspective. Like, see, you know, it's different for everybody. For somebody, Definitely. bad is I can't pay my, you know, thousand dollar car payment. And for some people, it's food. Yeah. And so it was food at that point. Yeah, I knew where all the cheap taco places were, the three burgers for a buck places. Mm -hmm. So I was eating on a dime, scraping through couch cushions, all that fun stuff. Lo logistically, how did that work to get out of debt like that? Uh, it was just working. You know, I was always a hard worker, so I picked up jobs. I was always working through college, and I think my break came when I entered into financial services. Uh, then I was able to start to have more secure income and put money away. And when you say financial services, what does that mean for people who don't work in the industry? What types of stuff were you doing day in, day out? Yeah, it really ranged, but I my career ended in the mortgage side, but I was always mainly yeah. in the real estate side of things. I ended in the, the mortgage side, and in the mortgage business, I was talked to over 20,000 people. And that's really where I really found out that my mistakes and my challenges I was making were common. People would call in all the time, you know, a month or two months away from some serious problems. And this is when the economy was good, we're roaring, and I just felt for them because they would keep coming back, taking more money out of the house, trying to pay off bills again. It was a cycle that money, many people got into. So you were the guy that, that we would call yeah. when it was like, oh shoot, I, well, what's my asset? I guess it's my house. I better call and just let them know what's going on. That was that was you. Yeah, and I think that's okay. most of the people out there. You know, if we look at the data, you know, about uh, three out of four are financially stressed right now. American Psychological Association data points to that. Um, if we look at other data, we're looking at most people are financially vulnerable or coping. Vulnerable means you're in a real bad financial yeah. situation. Coping means you're just trying to pull your head above water and just barely make ends meet. Either way, it's super stressful. Super stressful. Either way, it's super stressful. So you're doing this and you're noticing this commonality. Yeah. And that is that they're doing sort of what you did and had been working yourself out of. And I, and as I was researching this, I read that you said, you know, you felt you were just kind of putting Band-Aids exactly on people. Exactly correct. It, it, not a, not a long-term solution for anybody. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until my mom reminded me. And I, I went, my parents live up in Montana. It was on a visit. No yeah, way. Beautiful. I know you're We need Idaho, to sidebar yeah. on that, Vince. Oh, my gosh. Stop the financial chat. Let's talk about the Pacific Northwest. Um, okay, awesome. Okay, so family in Montana. Yeah. Focus, Jenny. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she brought up, and I was, it was a point in my life where I'm like, you know, I really want to help these people. I do everything I can, yeah. do budgets for them, really take that extra time to really help and support them. And what I found, again, they were just getting back on the cycles. My, my mom was like, okay, you always talked about, you know, why don't they teach money in school? I, that was always my big totally. thing. Totally. It's yeah. so true, though. And so from that point on, I phased out of my financial service work and f started full-time with developing a financial education company. And so you started this company yes. on your own. Yes. That has, I mean, we can go so many different directions with this because that has financial implications of it of its own. How Definitely. did you how did you start the company? Was it was it a loan or did you save up for it? How did that work? Uh, all saved and then, you know, I thought hey, I had the direction early on and things were going well. We were doing boots on the ground financial education programs, which I loved out there, yeah. mainly work with teens and young adults. I loved it. I had huge events, thousand person shows, celebrities and sports stars came out. 
more concert style. So it was really fun. It took a lot of time and energy and I really couldn't scale to reach as many people as I wanted. It was great reaching a thousand people. It was great serving that, but I really want to scale the company to serve those people in needed communities where I couldn't be. Okay, so yeah. what? how does the company exist today? How, who do you serve? Yeah, so right now we serve those people that are passionate about bringing financial wellness programs to their communities. Mm -hmm. And by financial wellness, that's really outcome goal we have. Uh, we lead financial educators, so people that teach groups, and financial coaches, those that work one-on-one -on -one with people that don't have access to financial service professionals. So we train them, provide them resources to help them scale programs in their local communities yeah. so they can serve people. Why do you think it is that we still learn geometry but we don't learn financial literacy in school? Nuts, I watched your learning and earning episode. Uh, yeah. Great episode, you guys, even he talked about the great episode. Um, and I don't know either. It's a subject that benefits 100% of students. Every single student would benefit. When we get up to high school and above, those subjects like geometry, advanced science, algebra, you know, all that stuff, yeah. it benefits so few. I never used any of that, right? But financial literacy benefits 100% of people, and it's something that has huge implications on somebody's life. Okay, so if we're not in one of your classes right now, we figured let's bring Vince in and <laughs> just learn from him um, because it, it's, a, it's up to the parents at this point and yes. up to you and other, and other groups that do sort of these financial education programs. How soon can we start as parents educating our kids on money? Great question, early. Three years old is about a time we can start to get them into habits. And the big thing early on, it's about financial habits yeah. and helping them establish good behaviors. So uh, about that age, you don't have to sit down and teach them what a credit score is. Sure. But it's important to help them learn what earning money is so they can value money, uh, what expenses are, and what savings in, is involved in savings as sure. well. Sure. Okay, so let's talk this through. I feel like there's two camps with parents when it comes to doing household chores. Some Well, there's three camps. Mm -hmm. There's the camp of people who are like, we're going to just give a weekly allowance. Like, we got three kids, we're going to give a weekly allowance, they can do what they want. Then there's, this, th there's the next group of people that says, they're going to do chores to earn their weekly allowance. And then there's the third group that says, uh, you live here rent free, you're just gonna do the chores and I'm not giving you any money. <laughs> what do you think is the best option for parents that are trying to teach their kids about money? Yeah, great analysis of that situation. <laughs> so what we suggest, we have a chore activity we do where they're actually working, earning through chores. Okay. So they're developing that relationship. Hey, I work, I earn money, this is money I can do things with. But we also have them contributing to household expenses. So at a young age, you know, when they're young, three, four, five, they don't really get it, but they're still putting money toward the house, putting money okay. toward food. And as they're going to high school, it increases in rigor so they know what expenses they'll face out on their own. And of course, the savings piece, short term and long term. I like this. Do you guys like this? I think this is good. So let's start with, with age three. Mm -hmm. What would be an appropriate start for somebody who has a three-year-old and is thinking, okay, I, I want to start this, but I'm not sure where. Yeah, it's about you know finding those teachable moments and, and finding those chores that they can do successfully, right? We're not going to have them washing knives. We're going to have sure. them putting away socks, cleaning up after themselves. Okay. Um, use a lot of visuals, you know, so as they get older, we can get into more electronic transfers of money early it's that visual the jars the physical money 
counting it out. Um, also utilizing those teachable moments. Okay, right. so we're so we're thinking about kids three. So we're like yeah. taking out the garbage. That's we've have an almost five year old. That's her one chore. I need to like right. up the ante. I'm yeah. embarrassed that that's her only <laughs> chore right now. But it's her taking uh, out the garbage yeah. in her room. And my dad actually gave it to her. I think he was like, "You guys are a mess. You're yeah. not like she. She doesn't know how to do anything." So she started taking out the garbage, and she feels such pride in it. We haven't given her anything for mm -hmm. it. We just told her you have to do this because yeah. you live here. But I'm wondering. So then maybe we add another one, and it's folding up the socks and putting them away. Yeah. Then what do you do? I mean. It's it's got to be a small amount, right? I don't yeah. know. Or what does it depend on the family? Yeah, what I always tell parents is, hey, what are you spending on them when they go to the store or just in their you know, general fund, right? If they go to the store, are you buying them a toy? If so, instead, put that toward an allowance where they're earning it and then giving them the money so they're spending it themselves. Like an additional. Like yes. if you're somebody who every time you go to the grocery store, the child says, oh, I want like this little thing at the checkout. Yes. Don't buy the thing at the checkout. Instead, have them do something. Then perhaps next time they remember to bring their money. Exactly. Is that, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, it's, it's all about building habits and, and helping them understand, hey, I work for this. I earn this. There's value that went into this. So they're not just, you know, asking and, and you know, sometimes begging for toys. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah I, yeah, I know. It's just usually no for us. Yeah. But I think we would be so much more fun if she could buy something. So let's talk about a little bit of an older age mm -hmm. group. So let's go up to age 10. Where yeah. What are you doing for age 10? Let's assume that they're already kind of building up. They've been doing those little chores. Yeah. Where are we starting there? Yeah, so the chores increase in rigor, but also what we're breaking down as far as their finances. When they were sitting down with them, so they're paying part of the bills, uh -huh. we're breaking it down more extensively. Hey, this goes to the house. Then we get into electricity, gas, you know, transportation costs. We get down into any of those costs where there's something visual behind it, right? Vince, our kids are going to be broke. <laughs> Paying gas prices right now. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do love this. Okay, so they're earning from us, but then they're also paying it Contributing. back. Yeah, so it's you're paying them more, but you're getting that money back, right? So they're yes, understanding that, hey, things in life cost and you know, you're, you're less likely to take things for granted at that point. Okay, it's really easy for you and I to sit here on the comfy couches yeah, and yeah. say, you guys need to start this with your kids. What if somebody has, you know, they've made it to like age 15 and their, their child really isn't contributing? Yeah. It can be a really hard point to start. What's your advice for that person, that family? Yeah, you know, the earlier we can start to mold positive behaviors, the easier it is. Anytime we have behaviors, right, we have to modify them, ask any smoker mm -hmm. or anybody like that. It's sure. a challenge. Um, but with that age group, hey, we can work toward molding behaviors, but I think it's critical we're addressing those life events that are coming up. College, first credit card, moving out on your own. Okay. We need to prepare them for these life events because this is where a lot of people go wrong myself included, yeah. Um, and it gets you behind the eight ball, and oftentimes people are adults, you know, later in life before they recover from early mistakes. Okay, yeah. so that 15-year-old time, that's when we're starting to, well, probably starting to talk about saving for college earlier than yeah. that, but again, if, if somebody's just kind of realizing, hey, I haven't done anything, we're starting there with talking about college, talking about the future. What about credit cards? I don't even know when somebody can open one. When can somebody open a credit card, and when should you with a, with a young adult or teen? Yeah, I always tell people, it's based on an individual, right? Yeah. Some people should not open up credit cards until they're 30, right? <laughs> or ever, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, you know, I think a lot of personal finance comes down to the ability to cons save consistently. Okay. Whether it's $1, $5, $20, $100, right? Once we're able to save on a consistent basis, that means we're not adding to debt, we're able to put money away, and if we're able to do that, we're in a better position, or at least we would assume, to pay back credit card debt that we accrue during that month. Um, so each individual person is different. I suggest, hey, deciding on that 
if you can ask yourself and say, yes, I save regularly. Yes, if I have this extra thing I won't excessively spend, then it might be okay for that person. Okay, let's talk to the people who have the, the, the first world problem of the family can actually pay for the child for everything. They've always yeah. paid for everything. They've yeah. paid for, I mean, I don't know, a private school and maybe their car and maybe their car insurance and maybe their gas. And then all of a sudden they're thinking, oh no, my child doesn't know about finances. Yeah. How, and the child knows that the family can afford it. Yeah. What does that family do? Uh, that is a big challenge. Um, ideally, it would start earlier, uh, but I know that's a, a big challenge. You know, if they're gonna pay for them their whole life, then they don't have to do anything, right? They don't have to do anything. But if they're planning on it, age 18, yeah. like many do, saying, okay, you know, go ahead out here in the world, um, then then how do you start teaching that child? Again, it's a first world problem. It's a ridiculous thing to ask because yeah. some people are yeah. in that situation. I, I learned a lot through the school of hard knocks, mm -hmm. right? You make mistakes, get back on your feet, and, you know, I didn't ask for help and support. And But yeah, oftentimes parents that are doing that just want to help and support them. So there's some time you need to cut them off, right? Let them go through the struggle um, and, and find a way to make it work. I think that just builds character and it helps people understand what they need to do to survive in life. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah I, could, I could not agree more, but I think some people are really like, they feel like, gosh, I had it tough and I want my child to have it yeah. easier. Can you speak to the fact that that may not serve the child? Definitely, it, it definitely does not serve yeah. the child unless you're gonna take care of them their whole life, right? Yeah. It, I think a parent's role is to create a self-sufficient contributing member of society. And you know, it's a responsibility of a parent to do so. If not, if anything happens with the parent's finances, that kid's lost mm -hmm. in trouble, right? Mm -hmm. And also finances impact so many areas of our life you know, that it's important that they're preparing these kids and young adults for the financial realities that many face. I hear parents say all the time, gosh, you know what? My child has the rest of their lives to work. I'm not gonna make them work <laughs> now. Can you speak to that parent? Yes, it's all about molding positive behaviors, right? And, and valuing money for what it is. Hey, it takes work and effort to earn money. And when you do, you're a better steward of that money. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, people point to the fact that, hey, developing a strong work ethic early is an important character tra trait of, of workers later in life, too. Sure. So even if they've got the rest of their life to work, you want them to have some experience, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Right? Definitely. definitely. At, at what age? And I'm thinking back. It's like, you know, things just change with each generation. So I think I may be out of touch with when is appropriate because back in the day in Idaho, you could just go to work whenever, right? I yeah. mean, you know, 15-year-olds were driving. It was just a different scenario. True. What about now? What type of work do you recommend for maybe, um, you know, people in their early teens before they can officially go get a job? Yeah, I mean, any any job where you can get tips, I think, is a great start. Totally you know, agree. Busboy, waiter, yep. you know, uh, valet, all those are great. And it's really important that, hey, they are working at a young age. Uh, uh, data out there points to over 80% of 18-year-olds today haven't had a job. Wait, say that again. Yeah, 80%, over 80% of 18-year-olds, they haven't had a job outside the house. So. It's a lot different than my time. Working at 15, I'm sure you were working young. I am speechless. Yeah. yeah. I am speechless, yes, because Taco Bell hired at 15. There but before go. that, yeah. there was babysitting, there yeah. was lawn yeah. mowing. Yeah. I mean, there was errands for the neighbors. Yeah. There was yeah. just, you've got to get a little hustle. Yeah. What in the world, yeah. what is, ha is it because our kids are, so, I mean, there's so many, so many enrichment programs for kids. I know a lot of kids do early college, True. which, you know, so is it because of that or why do you think that is? I'm not certain. I know we, you know, that COVID era might have affected For that sure. data a bit, 
But now I think it's really important that we are teaching kids young because there's so many outside influencers. We have advertising, very highly sophisticated ads, mm -hmm. you know, reaching kids at a young age, molding these consumers' behaviors. We have influencers reinforcing that. Uh, we have parents that maybe not teaching their kids and their peers and all their role models are having the cool thing. So we're really breeding this next generated generation of consumers, so we need to also raise the next mm. generation of hard workers. Yeah, th that is a struggle, and I, th I think this generation's being raised by a generation that says, gosh, I had it, again, I had it so hard, so yeah. I want it to be easier for my child, yeah. but that can really backfire, can't it? It definitely can. Yeah, that's, it's, I, I still can't get over that statistic. Yeah. I still cannot get over that statistic. We took, um, gosh, Monday there was there was no school. I had to be here at the station, so mm -hmm. my husband took Brighton to to the office. And I remember thinking, "Gosh, is that going to be weird?" And it was such an incredible day for her, yeah. even at age four, to see what he does for a living. How you know everybody shows up and what they wear, and you know how they conduct themselves and how to behave. Um, when do you think we should be doing like a little take your kid to work day? Is that still a thing? It definitely <laughs> is. It's actually part of April month. They have a take your kid yeah. to work day, but. Um, what what she experienced is great because most people go to college, they change majors, they don't know the career. Yeah. It's important they're exploring different careers, seeing what a set looks like, seeing where he works, mm -hmm. you know, where Heath works at looks like, talking to professionals, you know, getting experience hands-on, that's critical. So anytime we can help youth career explore, mm -hmm. uh, visit jobs or, or employers, or if they they have an interest, right? Maybe they're into the BMX races and, and you take them backstage to talk to the people working the races, right? So yeah. they can see that, hey, I don't have to be the pro BMX rider. I can be uh, the, the support crew. I can be this, that, mm -hmm. and the other. That's a really interesting perspective and, and very good point. Yeah, because we didn't we all like we were all going to be astronauts. Is that what we were all going to be? <laughs> were we all were all were we all going to go to the moon? Or we, we, I was going to be a professional ballerina. And so yeah, so it may not work out, but there are so many other career fields within each profession. And and it, gosh, I'm just so concerned about this group of people that haven't been out in the workforce yeah. Yeah. Um, because you know you've got to be told no a few times. True in order to get a yes, otherwise that first no could just be devastating if it doesn't happen till age 21 or 22 when you graduate. Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing too. Uh, we do a lot of interview training. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I participated as a volunteer one day and it's amazing, they don't know how to shake hands. Okay. Posture, just okay. the basic business etiquette. Uh, and these were high school students, uh, seniors and juniors. Sure. Um, they didn't have the basic business etiquette of shaking hand, looking somebody in the eye, uh, oh. sitting with good posture, You know, even how they were manicured with their clothes. Um, so these are the basic soft skills that are part of financial literacy uh, that will help people earn more when they grow. Oh, that's a really good point. And I look at those soft skills too, everybody, and um, everything that you mentioned doesn't cost anything. True. So how can, what would you recommend if a parent's thinking, gosh, I'm kind of behind, like no judgment from, from us, mm -hmm. but what would you what would you start? Would it be a handshake? Would it be, you know, work on your introduction? Yeah, a handshake's a great way to start, builds confidence, eye contact. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I think a, a great uh, thing to do for parents is bring them in when you're doing any type of financial service. If you're meeting okay. with your insurance person, if you're meeting with your banker, if you're meeting with your tax person, whomever you're doing financial transactions with, bring the child in, right? I know some parents don't feel comfortable having full discussions, but you can bring them in for part of that so they can see what it's like to talk to somebody in a suit, right? They can see mm -hmm. that etiquette taking place and that just prepares them to be, be more comfortable. Man, are kids just being raised in bubbles right now? What? <laughs> 
<laughs> is that what's happening? I, some, um, but that's part of our role as an organization yeah. is to expose parents and, and just you know shine that light in there. A lot of parents think this is being taught at school. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, it's, it must be taught at school. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So th they're not covering these essential elements and it's not being taught at schools. So with the, the rigor required, some states require one semester, 10 hour course. You can't speak a foreign language after 10 hours or one semester, right? right? Same thing with personal finance. It needs to start mm -hmm. young, so we're mm -hmm. developing behaviors and increasing rigor as they're going through high school and preparing them. I remember my guidance counselor, when I was looking for colleges, they said, oh, go visit three or four colleges, see which one you like the best and go there. Wrong. <laughs> what's gonna give me the best ROI? Uh -huh. You know, what, and, and uh -huh. these, we do a- uh, and What's it going to cost What's it gonna cost? Yeah. We do a student loan uh, test every year. Had 8,900 people take part, basic questions. What a student loan is, how to pay it back, all these simple things. 59% uh, is the average score. And these are 15 to 18 year olds going to college, so they don't know what they're getting into. That's tough, and, and the, there's a large portion of our population coming up right now that will be first generation college students, yes. and so experience that in that when you're the first one in your family, which I, I experienced as well, and it was a whole, the whole family had to be on board with navigating it, yeah. because if you hadn't been through the loan process or through the process of applying for a scholarship, then it was very challenging, True. And, and I think it could even make somebody think, well, I just can't do college at all then. Yes. And you know, and that may be the right choice for some people, certainly. Agreed. But, but for others that think, oh, I'm going to this profession where mm -hmm. you actually do have to have a college degree, yeah. it sounds like they need to know about that. Would one of your courses make sense for that? Yeah, so we have a lot of certified trainers, certified financial education yeah. instructors and, and coaches that are out there helping people individually with that. And just in my speaking career back in the day, a decade ago, when I was yeah. doing college speaking on, on personal finance, I was always amazed. Of all the times that I went out, only one person knew what their payback would be after they graduated. So I'd always ask every, every college event I did, how many people know how much debt they're in? Right, a couple hands would go up. How many people know how much debt you're gonna be when you graduate? Less hands would stay up. How many people know what you'd pay back? One person of the thousands of people I talked to at colleges knew. Now, so since a lot of people don't know, how would somebody find that out? Yeah, it's about knowing the calculations. Hey, okay. what, what are you borrowing? What's the interest rate? And what are the terms, right? Okay. Um, and also working with the, you know, there's people in colleges that can help you calculate that. There's calculators and even going to the loan servicing agency that, that you're going through, um, they can help you with that discussion as well. And I think sometimes people don't want to know. It sounds so, you know, if, if you only dealt in really small amounts of money, yes. um, you know, maybe you did a, a minimum wage job and then you're going to a very expensive university. It, it seems so daunting. The, the numbers can be so large, it's almost hard to wrap your head around. Yes. Do you think that students experience that? I think you and I would have a better idea of what the average student is $36,000 in debt. Right? You and I have an idea what mm -hmm. that is, but for youth that haven't been trained, 36,000 may be big, may be small. Right. Oh, 36,000. They're buying $50,000 cars, right? Yeah. Oh, 36,000 for college, great. Sure. You know? So okay. it's, that's where it comes to valuing money, earning and understanding the effort that goes toward earning $10, right? Mm -hmm. And then multiplying that into $36,000 so they can really understand the impact of the decision they're making. It almost sounds like what you're teaching and educating on is, is going back to some of those more old school principles that maybe have have lost their way yeah. over the years. 
Yeah, I think a lot of personal finance is old school, being a good steward of money, mm -hmm. you know, working hard, uh, you know, contributing and, and, and setting some aside for yourself and your family in those golden years. Sure, okay, where do people go if they want to find you and get more information? Because I have a feeling there's a lot of questions out there. Definitely, we have a lot of free material for parents that want to teach their kids at financialeducatorscouncil.org and we love to stop by. I do appreciate all the great questions here today as well. Oh my gosh, well this was really interesting. Thank you so much for the time. I have to say, I learned a lot. What we'll do for you is we'll link this up in the show notes of the podcast, also link it up on CW33.com. Before we go, any last words of wisdom for people who are in a tough financial spot right now, really kind of drowning? Yeah, yeah, no, I've been there. I, I, feel, I feel those people and uh, uh, there is always hope it will take effort and time sometimes, but uh, if you work hard toward three basic things, focus on your savings, uh, expenses, and what you're earning, simplify it, and just keep chugging along. Do those little steps required each week, and I have you know faith that you'll come out of that just fine. Well, thank you for those yeah. words of wisdom at the end. It is always good to leave people with hope. Vince, you rock. Thank you again so much. Hey, thanks for having me. So we'll link it up again, CW33.com, and then also in the show notes of the Second Shot podcast. And if you liked it, leave a rating and review, and we'll link up Vince in the notes. Talk to you soon.